Hey everybody, welcome to We Need to Talk About Kevin. Uh, I'm Ted. I'm Rose. I'm Trevor. Uh, and this week we watched uh, An Evening with Kevin Smith 2, Evening Harder. Ugh, I feel gross saying that. That's so funny. Um, and it fucking... It sucked. But such a clever title from such a clever writer. Because he's yeah, a writer surreal. more than a director. It's a nice little nice little bit of wordplay there. Evening mm-hmm. harder. We do have returning uh champion of the podcast, uh Valerie. Hello. How are you doing, Valerie? D- doing Welcome good. Back. Feel good to be the champion of the of going into the abyss of Kevin Smith. That that's uh, that feels fun. I, I yeah, I feel bad that we keep doing this to Valerie. Uh, I don't know. It, at this point, I don't know. It, it feels wrong to do it without her, though. <laughs> I know. We pick like the worst fucking ones. <laughs> it's all good. Um, maybe I could come on for like a fun one eventually. Yeah, if you want. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Well, okay. So. We'll give you like a pass, and you can we can talk about like something good to watch, and you can we, you can come on and talk about it. Okay. Cool. That's, that'll be the deal. <laughs> Yay. Well, we actually already have a commitment from Valerie for a certain future episode that she mm-hmm. suggested. Oh, that's right. That, yeah. Uh, is probably very bad. So mm-hmm. you're right. gonna pass have rescinded. <laughs> she's gonna have to do that with us too. Mm-hmm. So at least one more bad one. But probably more because there's so much footage of this evil man talking. I can't God. believe these things just get longer and longer. So if anybody missed the last episode or just wasn't paying that much attention, um, this is basically Kevin goes to a place like a venue and he does a Q&A where he takes like one question every hour <laughs> and then he just goes on these tangents that have nothing to do and then at the end of it all he's like oh and uh 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 what was your question mm-hmm. like every after every thing single one that pissed me off this time sorry i don't know why no matter um, what the question is he always manages to make it about fucking his wife or about like being gay those are like the two topics he wants to cover that no matter what uh anyone asks him he just pivots into the topic of gay people or sex with his wife or some weird shit with his daughter. Yeah. It's just classic Kevin stuff, but it's in such a raw, like, completely unpolished version that it, it feels like staring into the sun. It's mm-hmm. it's really, really bad. This one is four hours long. I believe the last one was like three and a half. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about this one that sets it apart uh, for your eyes at home that made the smart decision of not watching <laughs> this. Um... Uh, this is unlike the previous one because there was no editing done and these are just two yeah. shows in their entirety and like even like stand-up specials they do like three shows in a weekend they record like three shows and then take the best stuff from each part but this you're just getting the whole show <laughs> For yourself so even before we started uh watching this it was already horrible because i uh you know i made the the responsible decision and i rented this movie for money <laughs> for three dollars and when i rented it i immediately found out that the version i rented was only half of the special it was only one of the shows with and kevin was i guess just selling it 
like the, it, it wasn't labeled in any kind of different way. It's just labeled like the normal thing, but it's missing half of the show that you're supposed to get. But viewers at home, you'll you'll be um, glad to find out that um, I did track down the other half, thanks to Valerie. And um, I did end up seeing all, what, four hours of Kevin stand-up? Three and a half Christ. hours? How long was it? Almost exactly four hours. Yeah, the, an Apocalypse Now redux of uh, Kevin Smith stand-up is, is what I'll call it. Horrible. I think this is one of the worst things that we've watched. I had a really bad time, especially with the British half. I thought the British half was like horrific. This was the worst, I think, of any of his Q&A specials we've watched. I think we oh, caught yeah. Kevin here at the peak of him developing an extremely obnoxious, corrosive, kind of nasty yes. persona. <laughs> yeah. Because it, like, it does feel a little bit unpo- like it's it feels like a little bit um like new to him almost. Like he struggles with it sometimes, but he it's still just so fucking awful. I mean this is really Kevin at his worst, I think. Like when we watched the first one, which was from 2002, I remember thinking that like I could kind of see how someone back then might have found him charismatic. Like he he still had a little bit of humility left, maybe like a little bit more of a spark, even though ultimately he was a long winded, obnoxious shithead. Like but in this one, <laughs> he he's so fucking annoying. Just listening <laughs> mm-hmm. to him, the way he talks about it. There's in the early on the very beginning during the Toronto show when he's describing Dora the Explorer and yeah. he's like so amused oh. by all the the details of the show and he's explaining them in this really roundabout way like you know like he's trying to be a stand up guy he thinks he can be a comedian but he can't mm-hmm. he has no brevity he he's just going on and on about this shit about door i'm just like you are so fucking annoying dude shut the fuck up and it's so lazy like cuz he makes the people give him the prompts and then he just like lets his fucking mouth run yeah. like it, it's there's no this one especially felt compared to the last two we've watched like just felt like a slap in the fucking face like it was like he didn't even like he had no energy he was just like spitting bullshit Mm -hmm. out the whole time every single thing like he would just like he'd look for like the question and he'd think of like the easy answer and then he'd expand on that to be like some other bullshit so he'd go down this whole door the explorer rabbit hole and by the way he mentioned during that that he was getting stoned and watching it and Mm -hmm. here's the thing uh as uh a unproud reader of tough shit <laughs> the kevin smith memoir i know firsthand that he, he only smoked pot maybe like 20 times in his life prior to turning the age of 38 when he made zach and miri make a porno mm-hmm. which is two years after making this he's fucking lying Based on some of his anecdotes, I think these might have actually been recorded in like 04, 05, even though it came out in 2006. So he was actually lying about smoking weed uh, and watching Dora the Explorer. Which is something that a 16-year-old does. 
This one follows uh, a lot of the same comedy beats as the first one. Like it feels like Kevin is trying to recapture the exact same thing that he did in the first one. Cause I think the first one did pretty well. And even though I hated watching it, I agree with Trev. Like you can see a bit of the charm there and watching him try and do it again with this special, try and like force it to happen again for him. Uh, it comes out as like, <laughs> just a, an incredibly uh uncomfortable and uh like dark experience to watch there's so much tension between kevin and different people whether it is uh the like the q a people that he's being weirdly hostile to yeah. uh, the women he's being weird with well which we'll get into later and also jason muse who he is like actively mean towards like previously i've yeah. we've commented on their relationship feeling weird this one he feels actively mean towards jason and it was pretty uncomfortable and embarrassing to watch he, this, this also seems like the peak of his like fat hatred like he's oh every God. time any even people who are like much less fat than he is he's like Mm -hmm. you and me, huh, fucking fat yeah, asshole fat, fat guys fucking i guess dog yeah shit. J just because like you're also heavy doesn't mean that it's necessarily cool for you to point out every <laughs> single uh fat guy that talks to <laughs> any any guy who is even slightly overweight who asked a question he's had to like uh find a way to be like oh yeah i'm fat like you or something and it's like dude mm -hmm. can you just leave it alone why do you have to it seemed like he was like truly bothered when the women like in each so there's there's <laughs> <laughs> venues that he does it in. Yeah. One in Canada, one in the vile uh England. Mm -hmm. Um and in both there's like women who hit on Jason while he's on stage. And Kevin seems like like bothered by that. Like there's I, I don't know, I, I might be reading into it too much, but he it didn't seem like he took that like he didn't roll with that very well. Well he's just bothered by yeah. all the women. Whenever women start speaking, yeah. he gets like weirdly hostile in a way that reminded me of comic book men, but even less um Oh, Even God. less, uh, you know, edited down than comic book men. There's a, a kind of raw hostility he has towards some of the female Q&A people. He also has hostility towards uh, other ones as well. But with the women especially, it feels really weird. He says a bunch of nasty shit about women. Like, yeah, like he's yeah. definitely weird to the women there, but also just in general, he's constantly calling women like whores and cunts <laughs> throughout all yeah. of this. He says some very mean stuff about Lindsay Lohan and Hillary Duff based on yeah, nothing other Why? than be them being like a uh, pretty like teen stars. Like I don't uh, there's very confusing hostility someone asks him whether he's seen mean girls and he said no i haven't seen that because fuck Lindsay lohan and he's like he says she looks too trashy and he like he doesn't it's a like much better comedy than anything he's made yeah mm -hmm. mean girls is a very funny movie it's good but also like if you're such a fucking weirdo misogynist that your problem with Lindsay lohan is she looks too trashy Maybe just keep that to yourself, dude. Like, why are yeah, you exactly. saying that in front of a crowd? You sound psycho. And then, like, fast forward a couple years, his, in his own daughter in his own movies, like... Oh, yeah. But also, Jesus. this was... When Mean Girls came out, uh, this I feel like this was... Actually, maybe this was a couple years after Mean Girls, so this was when Lindsay Lohan's public image was already becoming kind of bad. 
you know, and people were being mean yeah. about her. So, like, I guess that would make sense. But mm-hmm. when Mean Girls came out, she was just this well-liked uh, teen idol. Nobody thought she was trashy or, or a drug addict or anything. So, like, that's just weird that he feels the need to to be like, oh, she's so trashy. And it's like, okay, we're just talking about Mean Girls. It's a pretty funny mm-hmm. movie. It was weird thinking about the timeline of this special, uh, too, and, like, Kevin's career, because, you know, as Kevin's scholars will recall, uh, uh, with Jay and Silent Bob uh, Strike Back, which was, you know, a pre-9-11, uh, you know, almost immediately pre-9-11 film, you know, coincidentally, we'll say, uh, it was uh, called out by Glad for being homophobic, and Kevin went mm-hmm. on a huge screed about how he's not homophobic and he loves gay people and all that and boy oh boy is this special homophobic as hell uh mm-hmm. throughout its entire yeah. running time because whenever kevin is not making fun of um whenever he's not calling women whores or talking about um uh fat people's uh in his words uh, not mine uh like grotesque swinging guts uh, he, he is says so he says that so much. Yeah. Uh, he is Look. talking about how funny and gross he thinks gay men are. Gay men mm. specifically. Like he doesn't really talk about lesbians very much because lesbians are a different thing to him. But like gay guys Thank is like God. that's the funniest shit in, in the world. Because the last time the lesbian stuff was I think the worst part. <laughs> he goes on his whole rant about bears again, which yeah. is something that it's something that he's fascinated by because it's specifically gay men who are attracted to what he considers his body type. Yeah. So like while well, he's talking to like one of the heavy men who asked him a question, I don't think they said anything about gay people or I don't even remember what the question was, but somehow no. he managed to turn the topic to like bears and how they're into guys like us, you know, like big <laughs> husky guys like us. And like and he's going on and on about that and it's like dude, like you clearly have so much curiosity about this <laughs> that you should either explore or just shut the fuck up about it. It's exactly. weird that you talk about this so much. Yeah. So one of yeah. that question was about. It was about uh, him doing the commentary of Donnie Darko and his appearance in Southland <laughs> oh Tales. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Good movie, Southland oh, Tales. I really like what? that one. That was funny. He talked about how Richard Kelly wanted him to lose 50 pounds yeah. <laughs> to be in Southland Tales because he's yeah. playing an Iraq war vet and he was like, no way. Uh, unfortunately, with this special, uh, I mean, we're going to have to go deeper into Kevin's uh, sexual pathologies because they are just on full display in both parts of this. Um, starting, of course, with the gay stuff, which he seems hyper fixated on. Kevin obviously you know, is, yeah, interested in the idea of gay men who are attracted to men that look like him, and he's got some weird repressed fascination with that going on that, yeah, either explore or, like, get over it, whatever. Mm -hmm. But he's also, he also, um... Uh, I know this term has been uh, co-opted in, in recent years, but he is, in very literal terms, a cuck. Like yes. he is, he is a cuck. He talks about yeah. being, 
he's a, he gets he's, off on like other like other men seeing his wife uh, naked, and I yeah. assume mm-hmm. what he's leaving out is that he also watches uh, <laughs> them uh, yeah. them fuck her afterwards. <laughs> no, he's he's a hot, he's a hot wife guy. He go leans yeah. into it so hard. And I think a lot of this stuff is stuff that he wouldn't say now because I don't know. He probably didn't even yes, realize it. Definitely. Then. And now, like, well, I think he's cleaned like, up his brand so much in a way. Like, even though he still is like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gross, you know, dirtbag Kevin or whatever. Like, I feel like he has sanitized himself into this more progressive version of who Kevin is, and and part of that is also tampering down his weird sexual shit, which. Uh, is probably the this is probably the most extreme that we've seen yeah. or like at least well, the most like straightforward well well i think yeah. like now like he probably has a little more cultural awareness now and these are like these types of guy are now pretty well documented like these are like uh, <laughs> behaviors that people recognize if a guy's talking about like oh my wife is so hot and i love when other guys see my hot wife naked and it turns me on and stuff like he just you know like like that's like those are giving major signals about him being a cut but like mm-hmm. at the time this- at one point he's talking about having a guy in spandex but like holding his wife behind him like dressed as superman <laughs> and when she yeah, suggests yeah. well why isn't that just you and he's like no it couldn't be me it could and he doesn't even really give an explanation. He just keep, well, I, I would just it just couldn't be me. And it's like, oh yeah, no, right, okay. For context, this is about him shooting his wife for Playboy. Like mm-hmm. he's offered for, yeah, the yeah, opportunity to do a Playboy shoot for some director's thing, and he's like, oh well, my idea of erotica is my own wife, and I want to fit. And like the the first this first idea is for them to dress up as Jay and Silent Bob and his wife mm-hmm. be Jay Weird. and his wife correctly points out like oh you have clearly have some issues with your best friend <laughs> yeah you know like that's the first he's supposed to be coming up with uh, so, uh with like erotic photography and his first idea is to have his wife dress up in the costume that his friend wears but then but yeah but then it turns into her being lois lane and having a male model play superman and he absolutely doesn't want to be in it doesn't want to be superman because he's too fat to wear he just wants to watch yeah he just wants to watch his wife with superman and he really likes that all of these guys uh, that are working on the set are like seeing his wife naked and like looking at her and stuff he's talking (laughs) about this like it's it's not funny it's not interesting. No. It's just very personal and revealing and gross. And mm-hmm. and God knows what the question was yeah. and how he even got on to the... Oh, no, they did actually ask him about the Playboy thing. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to make clear to listeners that, like, I want to be really specific about the situation is we aren't, like, implying anything here. We aren't saying that, like, oh, Kevin's wife did a Playboy shoot and we're, like, making this stuff up. Like, no, Kevin talks about this in the special. He talks about, like, being into the fact that, like, people are staring at his wife naked and thinking that that's, like, really, really fucking hot. He is... I immediately realized the specific kind of sexual energy that him and Jennifer... Schwalbach, I think her name is. Yeah. I might have that mixed up. Mm -hmm. The specific sexual energy that they have together. Uh, And it is... uh, (laughs) They are a couple that would come up to you on the beach and ask if you party. I will put it that way. 
Yeah, there and Kevin is such an exhibitionist, which makes so much sense because he like because we all know he can never shut up about fucking his wife and oh, yeah. Ted, come on, man. No. <laughs> I okay, so I just did some mid-pod research cuz I was like, did he ever say what they actually did for the picture? You don't have, I spoiler tagged, you don't have to look. Um, oh, of course they I'm going to look at a, it. Oh, I'm going to look you don't at have it. To. Of course I am. That's on you. Yeah. Um, so it, it actually is uh, it, his nude wife being caressed by oh, God. Uh, some man who is clearly not Kevin. This um, feels weird. Yeah. Dressed as Superman. Yeah. Okay. And actually, uh, so this, I found this when I Googled it. It was on uh, some weird, creepy Reddit, Celebrity Pussy. Um, and user, Are you sure that's her? Thing. Her face looks different. I, this is heavily yeah, retouched. Yeah, but they put all the makeup on. That. Yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> A, a commenter, uh, JSH1138, said, Kevin Smith has an obvious obvious fetish for being cuckolded. It's a major theme in all of his movies. Yep. And if I remember correctly, he shot her Playboy pics, which were almost all her with another guy. Uh, this yeah. was seven years ago. This is a seven-year-old yep. comment. So um, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And uh, thank you. It's very clear. And him having these hot wife exhibitionist kind of tendencies really... Uh, give a lot of context to the fact that he's always talking about sex with his wife. Talking about jerking off has a long story in this one about jerking off to his wife and how he doesn't <laughs> find other women hot anymore and only wants to jerk off to his own wife. And it's just like, you know, that's fine. Like, what? You you're, shouldn't be telling all the people this stuff publicly unless they're like willing participants in your weird little sex games you know it's <laughs> gross yeah uh looking at this photo i it makes so much sense um when there is a very uncomfortable moment one of many uncomfortable moments between kevin and jason where um basically jason says that he he does he won't look at the photo of jennifer naked like he just doesn't want to look at it oh, and that kevin yeah. has it mm -hmm. up uh, as his wallpaper like on his uh on his desktop computer and whenever and jason comes in show him and he has a yeah like too. kevin is trying to show it to him and yeah he has like a paint yeah kevin has a painting of his wife naked too and jason doesn't want to see it and kevin like wants him to look at her or something and i was like yeah like, you're telling this as like a goofy story but to me this is like pretty fucked up yeah. <laughs> i felt really weird hearing that story jason is like clearly uncomfortable with the bit jason seemed just, really uncomfortable he just keeps pushing it it's so blatant and that's like that's the first thing you do when you're trying to get someone to fuck your wife but you're supposed to be subtle about it but kevin is just like apparently has the playboy it's like look at my naked wife look at her and not only that not only that but uh and i didn't notice till like over halfway through the london show uh, J but Jason said because he was uncomfortable he said I don't feel comfortable talking about this with your mom present here yeah oh <laughs> yeah oh, I forgot for about that oh, I forgot about that he yeah. tells that whole story that about sad. jerking off of about his wife with his mom right there that's disgusting 
You're disgusting, Kevin. Does, does this guy have any and, oh, shame whatsoever? Oh, I think he has lots of shame, but I think he I think he just enjoys the yeah, he enjoys the exhibitionism of it all. I think that's what what, what he gets off on. Yeah. Um the story of him jerking off to his wife's photo in Playboy is one of many stories where Kevin does a specific thing. That is like, it, it so perfectly shows his mindset where he will tell a gross story like this and half of the exposition, half of the setup will be him explaining like, now I know this sounds like fucked up, but here's why it was actually okay. Like here's why everyone involved actually thought I was cool for doing this or, or like it was actually <laughs> good, awesome that I was doing this. You know, whether it's the it's the stuff with his wife and like it's, oh, you know, you'd think this is weird, but like my wife was like, oh yeah, I'd love to be in Playboy, which is like fine or whatever. But it's this repeated pattern where like so much of his story is just uh, defending his own actions. Yeah. And it's all for these yeah. um, anecdotes, which are equal parts um, uncomfortable and also just uh, confusing. Like they don't lead to any kind of satisfying punchline. They're weird, but mostly they just make you go like, oh, geez, uh, that's, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> the only people who should be talking about jerking off as much as Kevin does on stage are actual comedians who are like talking about jerking off because it's fun. There's no reason to tell people, let alone like a whole audience of people, all about your personal jerking off habits unless you actually have something funny to say about it, which he doesn't. <laughs> but he's like... Well, his fans think it's hilarious. He has the like fans this very tone funny. like he thinks he's a stand-up comedian or something, but there's no joke, there's no angle... It's just him telling this personal story about jerking off to his wife, which sounds very fake and made up anyway. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. like, you really want me to believe that you and your wife are having sex all the time and you also only jerk off to pictures of your own wife? Like, what? that's not a, a real person. Like, nobody <laughs> does that. So I, I think it, it's not like a real normal thing to do, but he is kind of a little weird freak. So I'm not saying I believe him, but I can see it. Here's the thing. I believe one of two things. Yeah, Either true. he had sex with his wife, which I have a hard time believing, or he, or he jerks off to pictures of his wife, which I can much more easily believe. I don't mm -hmm. believe that both things are true. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like jer jerking off to your own wife is the behavior of a cuckold who doesn't actually fuck his wife. There's like, it feels almost like, it feels almost mundane to go over the misogyny of Kevin Smith again, but it's, it's still kind of shocking. Like he keeps taking on. It's so much, it's so much worse in this than in anything else. It's so much more blatant. Yeah. Even the way his wife gets talked about, I find really gross. I don't like the way that Kevin talks about, like, how... The, the way that he speaks for his wife feels so strange. I'm like, I'm yeah. sure this lady is a weirdo, but the way that he speaks from her point of view is just bizarre, where she's like, you know, you can have sex with me anytime you want. I'm like, yeah. what the f yeah. what the fuck? Like, this is not how I, I assume, you know, I'm not married to Jennifer Schwalbach, but I don't think this is how <laughs> women talk no. normally. Then he, also, yeah. he also says uh, that she was mad mad at him for telling that sex story about her in the first special. Yeah. Like, he says that. And, like, 
I don't know how mu- how true any of the fucking bullshit he says about his life mm-hmm. is. It sounds mostly made up. But if we're to believe him, his wife was mad at him for telling one story about fucking her in the previous thing. Oh. And mm-hmm. practically in the same breath, he, he's, go- he's going on for hours about fucking her. <laughs> like and it, it is so it's like he's painting this picture where like he knows that his wife is uncomfortable with him talking about this stuff but he just can't help himself <laughs> that makes it feel like he's the one who's like a weird exhibitionist and his wife is maybe not so much into that and maybe wants to be more <laughs> private but kevin uh, uh refuses to let yeah. him be uh and and of course there's lots of uh you know jokes about uh anal sex because that still is very um i don't know it seems like a taboo thing to kevin or something he acts very Mm -hmm. weird when he talks about it Uh, and sucking dick of course comes up lots and lots of times kevin talking about how he wants to suck dick but being like haha it's funny because i don't but maybe i do just suck a dick dude (laughs) it's fine you're famous you can suck a dick if you want he clearly he clearly wants to and that's fine he, he should to. do it if he really wants to <laughs> he said himself there are gay guys out there that are into his he's put so much thought into this <laughs> to the point yeah, that i'm having a hard time believing that he actually hasn't sucked a dick and if he has of course that's fine you know it's a normal thing to do <laughs> This is, like, the most conflicted we've ever seen, Kevin. This is, like, all of his demons on full display. You're watching oh, him yeah. bounce between mindsets where he's like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to suck my friend's dick. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but maybe. Yeah. Th- this really made the uh, Justin Long character in Tusk make a lot more sense because he really seems oh, like that guy. Yeah. He, he even has a thing where he talks about how he could get laid and stuff. And his, his wife is right there in the audience you know Mm -hmm. and he's talking at the toronto show he's talking about like oh i could fuck any of the girls here or something like that oh that was weird yeah Yeah. and it's like because we talked about that on the tusk episode where we were like is this how kevin sees himself is this what he thinks and it turns out yeah like (laughs) he actually does think this way he's like oh but i don't want to it's like, oh, it's cool because I realized, like, wow, like, people really like me. I could be getting laid all the time, but I don't want to. I love my wife. I only want to jerk off to my wife. It's this weird fucking guilt. Like, I guess that's a Catholic thing, right? He's so confessional, but so guilty yeah. at the same time. God, if 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 Kevin was born just a little bit later, actually, you know what kind of guy he would be? He would be more like he'd be like a McElroy or um He'd be a sex nerd. He'd be a sex nerd. He'd oh, be that, you God. know, uh that guy drawing like uh sex web comics with the dragon. Uh <laughs> oh my god. And what's the what's this Chuck uh Chuck Wendig? Is that what his fucking name is? The oh, guy yeah, who does yeah. the Yes Oh good flumpy morning, Wizzly Woo, oh, uh all god. that bullshit. That's the kind of guy Kevin would be if he was born a little bit later, but instead he's like the apathetic Gen X guy. I think Kevin's sort of become one of those guys over the past couple years. The mm-hmm. modern Kevin is a much more like uh whimsical kind of sprightly sort of person (laughs) there's like there's three different like stages of kevin i feel like and in this one we're definitely getting him fully into the middle phase where he's like just this weird uh vulgar like just asshole 
just to tack another thing on, I think he'd be like one of those people on Tinder who it's like their name is like two names squished together Ugh, and they're like gross. looking for a third. That and it's and it's like mostly his idea. Like he like maybe doesn't realize that his partner isn't as into it as he is and he's kinda like pushing for it, but <laughs> wants it to seem yeah. like his his girlfriend's really into it. I've definitely seen many a couple like Kevin Smith and Jennifer Schwalbach on Tinder and Grinder and showing up at late nights at, you know, bars that I've worked at. Uh, very specific energy of weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what you call it because it's not really sex um, positivity. Kevin is still like a very repressed weirdo. Mm-hmm. He's just like very sexual in this one specific and very uncomfortable way, which I absolutely recognize. It is a type of guy, but I do I don't have a word for it. Speaking of like his wife talking about the first DVD, I want to talk about how uh, one, one of the Prince producers who by by the point of the recording of, of the Toronto show left the Prince job, but she's like, why the hell did you, uh, first of all, not ask my permission, but second of all, don't mm-hmm. g- give me a fake name. Why didn't you give me a fake name? <laughs> he just called her by her name, Stephanie. Yeah. If she was still working there, she'd be fucked, but he didn't think of that when he was doing his stupid evening of Kevin Smith. And her name isn't relevant to the story at all. Or even her, like she, he could have completely left her out of the story. There's no Mm -hmm. need to even talk about her. Mm -hmm. So one thing I noticed in this one is they have to bleep out because he says somebody's full fucking name. Two, there's two the whole times that happens. Thing. Two times, yeah. 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 And he then, says the name of an old teacher and like a girl that he dated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing is those are women. Then they then he starts telling a story about guys he used to know. Starts saying their names like yeah, uh, shouldn't say their names. It's like, okay, what the fuck, you little creep. Yeah. The two halves, of course, this special one half uh, was Canada, which I found um, very offensive, you know, just like uh, to my identity as a Canadian. Very upsetting things said about the Maritimes specifically, which, uh, you know, I won't get into on here because, you know, uh, we we try not to make this podcast political. Um, But I was much more (laughs) personally, even though the Canada side was uh, offensive, um, I was most disgusted by the British half, because I didn't yeah. even, I, I had never even conceived of in my mind before the idea of a British Kevin Smith fan yeah. and to have a room of <laughs> them. Yeah. It is like, it so is many women horrendous. In what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And they all want to talk about Jersey Girl. Why do they all like Jersey Girl so much? When you I look into them. the crowd of the the British audience uh, for Kevin Smith, it's like when you get the the visions of uh, hell in Hellraiser, and it's just like all these horrible pale faces that uh, <laughs> uh, that wish you pain. This like this this universe of torment and misery. Like holy holy shit! I the 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 faces in this audience were just like glistening uh, horrifying sights all around mm-hmm. and and hearing people in british accents ask about yeah jersey girl and, and clerks and stuff like my god thinking about kevin smith having that kind of worldwide influence is just horrifying 
and they love him like very weakly mocking their britishness like mm-hmm. doing a fake british yeah. accent and doing jokes <laughs> about british stuff and like they love it they're eating it up and he's not even being funny mm-hmm. he's not even doing a good job of mocking british people but mm-hmm. these fucking hogs just love it he goes the hardest on the british stuff of course when um a girl gets up to ask a question and uh, he immediately just starts mocking how she talks and interrupting her. And uh, and he starts and off insulting her, too, about something. I think it might be about comic books. He says, like, because she's a girl, she doesn't read them or something. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, comic book, comic book. Oh, that's so cute. It's so adorable. Yeah. Comic book. And then she was like, oh, actually, I did mm-hmm. work at a comic book store. And he's like, oh, yeah, did you, uh, did, did you like, put the comics on your ass and be like, me bum, touch the comic. Would you like it? Yeah. All about yeah. how, like, oh, those guys, all the guys were in there just pretending to like comics because they wanted to fuck you. Just because it's a woman, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's so far away. She's in the balcony. He can just see that it's a woman. And it's like, oh, wow. A woman who likes comics. It must be he must she must be surrounded by disgusting nerds like me, just trying to fuck her all the time and not letting her ask her question at all, cutting mm-hmm. her off every second to say more weird stuff and Which, talk about how she should come work at his comic shop and the sales <laughs> would go up yeah. just because she's a woman. The thing about that, like, is he has this. F- formula for fucking with the people asking the questions which is like make fun of how they look um pretend like you didn't hear what they said um uh repeat the question back at them and then have them repeat it back at you and he does that to everybody but whenever it's a woman he like gets really excited to do it he's like yes he goes crazy weird like yeah (laughs) there's like a sadistic glee to it yeah there's so many more women at the um the one in england for whatever very weird how many women (laughs) frankly we know that british women are like maybe the most vile uh (laughs) Um, but so that it kind of it does track but Every one, there's so many of them, so it's it's on full display in this one in a way that it really hasn't been in the previous because there was just like one mm-hmm. big moment where he'd go uh, freak mode on like a lady who asked a question. <laughs> but now it's like every fucking question for a while. It's like he's really delighting in having power over all these women, which tracks with him <laughs> talking about how cool it feels that he thinks he can get laid so easily. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, pretty much all the women just get treated as like, uh, idiots um, who don't know what they're talking about, and um, the men, uh, Kevin, um, also sexually like <laughs> uh, sexually intimidates, I guess, by um, implying that they're gay and that they want to yeah. suck dick. Like that's some like there's one of them in particular that he keeps on saying like, oh, so so you want to suck dick or whatever, and the mm-hmm. the guys obviously like trying to laugh along and kind of get out of it, and Kevin keeps pushing it in a way that just feels so, so uncomfortable. The audience interactions in this one, compared to the last one where like there were actually a few okay uh, audience interactions, a few memorable ones, the ones in this were abominable. Mm-hmm. Either awkward or outright just like, you shouldn't have had, you shouldn't have kept this in the final cut like people shouldn't have seen this like when the guy's up on stage and kevin just like leaves him hanging kevin invites an audience member up on stage gives him his microphone and lets him like 
control the stage for a while. Yeah. And I couldn't even look at the screen. It was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of very uh, weird, tactless, like confrontational uh, fans, too. Like, the there's the one guy yeah, that, yeah. like, asks him how much, what his net worth is. And he's like really pushy about it and keeps it. And for some reason, Kevin is like all like cagey and weird about it. Instead of just like, (laughs) instead of just saying, I'm not going to answer that or like making a joke and brushing it aside and not answering it. He like gets all like, well, what do you mean? How much am I worth? Like, what does that mean? Like, uh, what do you like my net worth? Like, what's my net worth? Like, what is that? Like, he's at asking all these like picking apart the question and the guy's really pushing he's like you know just like what's your what's a ballpark and like first of all why are you so interested in how much money he makes all and kevin why are you so fucking weird and cagey about talking about it why don't you just say i don't want to tell you and like that's none of your business why do you care so much what this like canadian college student thinks about how much money you yeah. make? yeah yeah <laughs> very fucking weird interaction. I, I think Kevin uh, at this point really partially built his brand around this fake working class image. Uh, same thing with like him being a fake weed smoker. And uh, he didn't have the sense to just say like, I'm not going to answer that. For a second, I thought that the guy was a troll or something. Um, but I, I think Kevin, uh, I think Kevin tried to provide an answer that would make him still seem like he wasn't like a rich Hollywood guy, because at one point you can hear him say, "Oh, you mean like 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 liquid, like how much money I have in the bank?" Like, no, I don't have ten million dollars. I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, uh, he he tried to make it sound like he was paycheck to paycheck, but with you know, giant multi million dollars. He's like, I'm living hand to mouth. I've got a wife and kid now. But of course, he he specifies the he specifies the liquid thing because of course Kevin does have more than ten million dollars. It's probably just locked up in like investments and stocks and shit like that. Like he's a fucking rich person. <laughs> Most of it's probably in his house. Like he has a house that's worth yeah, millions yeah. of dollars. He has cars, you know. Like, but but fucking I don't know who fucking cares. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. he's rich. He's probably not as rich as this guy thinks because his boss is Harvey Weinstein is probably fucking nickel and diming him but um but and also he doesn't make like big movies he's not like pta or something Mm -hmm. oh that's another thing that was funny where he talks about the movie business and talks about how he's fine he'll always be able to work and be fine because his movies make a lot of money on dvd and like he's kind of like be acting all <laughs> superior to the internet trolls who think that his career is going to tank because his movies have bad box office. And this is so funny because this is like a couple years before Harvey Weinstein just completely abandoned him <laughs> because Zack and Mary was such a failure. And mm-hmm. he specifically. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, He talks about Harvey so much. <laughs> and, he, and and he's like it's just saying like yeah no harvey wouldn't just drop me because of this because really you know they make <laughs> most of their money on dvd so as long as i'm making him money on dvd like i'll always have work with harvey and it's like uh, no bitch my dad will always be there for me my dad harvey <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i wonder who told kevin that because i've never 
Uh, you know, I'm not a Hollywood insider like Kevin, but I have never heard that piece of advice float around that uh, DVD sales are more important than uh, the box office success of a movie. I think that was kind of true at the time, but mm-hmm. like, and he basically says this too, but the, the DVD success is usually dependent on it being a hit at the box office. Exactly. Yeah. All the stuff he said about how the studios don't actually get most of that box office money money is also very true Mm -hmm. and most movies don't actually turn a profit until long after the release uh from i mean i don't even know if it's probably not even dvd sales anymore it's probably more like streaming and tv uh Mm -hmm. rights and stuff but but yeah like most movies don't actually make a profit on the box office alone so that's all true and he was probably right that the fact that his movies usually did better uh, on home video was part the reason he kept getting work. The only problem was so like his assumption that that's going to keep up forever. Like then that's mm-hmm. always going to mm-hmm. work because apparently it didn't. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. And now like, you know, DVD or Blu-ray or whatever sales are probably nothing like they were 15 years ago. And it's probably a completely different economy. Should we get into the Jason stuff now? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> uh both jason appearances were really bad yeah. i don't know which one we want to start with i i think that this was like the rough like the most sort of like annoyed or weirded out by kevin i think i've seen him yeah most visibly uncomfortable the toronto one is very uh revealing yeah because the toronto one's a real conflict first it starts out with him uh just being like it's been 30 minutes and you've only answered two questions what the hell kev (laughs) but so he just kind of sits there for a minute and then he just leaves again for a bit because he's like i I have nothing to do here the thing that's really weird is when uh we mentioned it a little bit earlier but when um when muse is on stage towards the end of the thing and Mm -hmm. he's being kind of gross he's talking about how like uh because someone asked about him getting to make out with Shannon Elizabeth and how cool that was. And and he, like, makes a little joke about maybe I'll uh, hook up with some ladies from, from the audience here. And, like, mm-hmm. he's being a little gross, but he's <laughs> yeah. kind of joking. But when mm-hmm. he says that, Kevin starts getting very, like, solicitous about it. Yeah. And, like, really, like... Probably and wants to watch. Kev- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kevin is so into talking about his friend Jason's like sexual prowess and sexual technique. So they do this. Th- Kevin cajoles him into demonstrating his his patented sex moves on stage while Kevin like narrates. And, and he doesn't he want to. Does not want to do it. He says repeat. He so repeatedly. Resonant. He repeatedly says he doesn't want to do it and is like trying to like kind of plead with Kevin to stop asking him mm-hmm. to do it and finally he 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 gives in and he does it and like Kevin is enjoying this so much like saying the the narrating his like sex moves as he demonstrates them mm-hmm. and this is such a bull and cuck friendship like yes. yeah. Kevin is so into talking him up and like whoring him out and like getting down bending down to like watch him do his pelvic thrusts and talk about them it's 
It's really weird. It's I I'm I don't know what else to say. It's really weird. I don't know why you would do this in public. I don't know why you would have uh, a DVD that you sell to people of you doing this uh, weirdo behavior. And the crowd loves finish. it. The yeah. crowd loves it. Yeah, in they're they're into it. In they particular, one female fan who gets very excited. And, uh, and she was actually kind of hot, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she, but she, yeah, like when, when Jason, when Muse was like, oh, when Muse was like joking about hooking up with the girl there, I was saying like, oh, I don't know if this is the right place, man. But like, but, but anyway, so she shows up and Kevin's like, oh, would you like to fuck, uh, Jason? Would you like to fuck Muse? And she's like, he's the hottest piece of ass I've ever seen. He's so fucking hot. Like, it's just like, he looks what good is, there. What too. is going on? No, I, he, he, he looks good, but it's just like, <laughs> what is the fucking energy in this place? Like, there's you've got women in the crowd talking about how fucking hot Muse is, and you've got Kevin like uh bullying him into <laughs> doing his <laughs> it's so it's fucked, man. So weird. Like I it see it feels like one of those things where it's like, wow, you really had to be there to understand why these people are behaving this way. Cause just watching it as a fly on the wall, it's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, I think it's in the British half, uh, but it might it might be in the Canadian half, where uh, a lady in the audience asks Jason Muse to say snoochy boochies in like a seductive oh, way, yeah. Yeah. and he seems to he seems to not want to do it, and kind of says no, and then gets pressured into it, and does a not great job with it because he seems very uncomfortable with doing it. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me that in the first evening with Kevin, um, Jason was actually very charming on stage, even though it was a bad special. Of course. Mm -hmm. And there were parts where he actually did seem to kind of like push back on the audience a little bit. Um, in this one, Jason was definitely not as charming and also seemed to be a lot more uncomfortable and just like put off by the audience and Kevin and his energy was just like really weird. Uh, he, he felt very off in both halves. Before we get off the topic of Muse, um, with what we've learned about him and Kevin's relationship from this one, how does that change you know our general theory of him being Harley Quinn's biological father. I I that, I'm, I'm not in on this theory. <laughs> I see here because like this this sort of threw a wrench in it because he's so he's like I don't want to see your wife naked, and he really doesn't want to see her. Yeah, naked. yeah, yeah. It's really like uh, um, uh, uh, now it feels much less to me like they have an actual uh cuck and bull situation as much as it's like Kevin really wants it to happen is really pushing for it and is mm -hmm. constantly yeah. dropping hints that because why else why would your friend be so so against seeing your wife naked unless it was in response to you like constantly trying to show <laughs> Show there has to be enough pressure naked. there for him to reject it. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 way he's very specifically like avoid avoiding like oh I would never want to look at her naked. That's so wrong. And also coupled with the fact that we they also say Kevin's always trying to make him see it. 
Like that really feels like Ugh. a thing where he's like trying to entice Jason to fuck his wife. And I don't know, it it could be one of those things like where on both sides, like uh, Muse and his wife are both uncomfortable with it. And he's always dropping hints to both of them. Uh, so what else happens in the, the British half with, uh, with Muse? Because the Toronto half is all the thrusting weirdness the british half also has like some uncomfortableness to it but i, I can't remember it there's the well. bit where muse accidentally hits on that girl who turns out to be 17 yeah Ooh, yeah oh yeah like <laughs> bad vibes uh special but that's that's legal there i believe i believe uh, the age of consent <laughs> is 16 and any british <laughs> person just <laughs> any being attracted to being a british person thing. is that's just wrong uh, another toxic relationship that shows up in this uh, this horrifying document that we watched is uh, Kevin's uh, obvious resentment of Ben Affleck, uh, which is also yeah. one of those stories yeah. where um, it's Kevin bringing up something where he's like, you know, I know this sounds fucked up, but here's why it's actually fine and cool. Because he spends like a good 15 minutes or something talking about how, oh yeah, it sounds like Ben Affleck hates me, but here's why that's out of context. And here's why he actually thinks I'm cool. And uh, we're joking and we're great friends and he respects me. But also, I think that he's a loser. <laughs> he's so mean to him. Yeah. Because he talks about how he thinks that Ben Affleck's career is going downhill and shit. Like, he talks shit on him mm -hmm. while he is trying to talk about how when Ben Affleck talks shit on Kevin Smith, how that's just, like, a joke and they're all good. It, yeah. The yeah. tension is, like, oof. It's obvious. I think Ben Affleck is probably just, like, not nearly as generous as Jason or, like, grateful, I guess, as Jason Muse is. Because he treats them kind of the same. But Ben sort of became a star and like... I think that they are friends uh, uh, and that Ben does like to like make fun of him as a joke like Kevin does with him. But I think Ben is probably just not nearly as invested in this friendship as oh, for Kevin sure. is. And no. I think Kevin is probably actually taking all this shit a lot more personally than Ben Affleck would <laughs> and trying to play it off like he doesn't and like he's the like he's the casual one the way he talks about ben affleck's career going downhill feels very uh like resentful and spiteful it doesn't oh, come off yeah, um yeah. in the 100%. in like the goofy way he wants it to well, uh, it sounds very passive aggressive definitely super jealous of him but there's also this problem i noticed throughout this thing where like he doesn't really modify his tone between when he's saying something that's meant to be purely a joke or something that's like a real observation. Like, uh, this is also the problem with him not knowing how, basically trying to do stand-up for way too long, but not <laughs> having any idea how to do stand-up or tell a joke or anything. And it's like, it's sometimes it's hard to tell whether he's like, uh, giving doing like a sincere rant about something he thinks or something that bothers him or saying something that's obviously absurd and he doesn't actually think but just thinks it's funny to say also in part because none of his jokes are actually funny and it's hard to tell when he's even joking mm -hmm. but like 
when he's yeah. talking about like when he's talking about Lord of the Rings, like the reasons he hates Lord of the Rings, and he does the, uh. he does the Randall Clerks Two speech verbatim. So this was clearly before he made Clerks Two, like literally the exact speech that Randall does, and the little thing mm-hmm. with the walk. Those movies are just about walking, and then he does the thing where he pantomimes walking, like it's the movie exactly what. So he thought it's that this so thing was so funny, he had to put it in the movie. But then also he goes from that, which seems to be a sincere complaint about the movie which is completely incoherent and makes no sense but also then talks about how the end of the movie should have been Frodo and Sam having gay sex for 10 minutes and like hate him. and like cl- clearly that's meant to be like a comedic premise like he thinks that's a funny thing to say that they should have had gay sex but he he has the exact same tone like and it sa- so it sounds like that's what he really thinks. Like he's saying, like, yeah. that there's a, like he he doesn't know how to like heighten or alter his tone to indicate that he's telling telling a joke. And then that comes out with the Ben Affleck shit too, where it's like whether regardless of how he really feels, I think he does want you to feel like he's just joking around about his friend whenever <laughs> he says mean stuff about him. But it's hard to fucking differentiate. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's like a half joke kind of thing. Like yes. I think he's covering up a lot of feelings with, um, with uh, jokes. And it's there's just been so many times that we've encountered stories where someone has made a statement where they talk about how Kevin Smith is an asshole, and then Kevin Smith later explains on like a podcast or a special or something. Uh, how that person was just like um, misinformed or confused and how he's not actually an asshole. It's a running theme in Kevin's uh, stories. I also feel like when he was giving the update to the Prince story, he really tried to make it sound like Prince actually cared or was still thinking about him. Like when I think it's probably a completely one-sided thing. Like he was really trying to make it seem like (laughs) There was some kind of back and forth going on between him and Prince. And I really like I, I'm pretty sure what happened was Prince did that um, interview and they asked him about the Kevin thing and he just gave his candid response. And that was about it. <laughs> Another story of Kevin getting hired to write a script and then having it basically rejected because he can't write uh, anything. This time is about Coyote Ugly. Yeah. That was so funny that he didn't understand why they would throw out all of the dialogue that he wrote. (laughs) He's like, that's my best stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's like, if you're going to keep anything from me, it's the dialogue. Anything other than the dialogue is just bullshit, which is like, Indicative of how he sees his own talents as a writer and also hilarious because his dialogue is fucking Mm -hmm. cringe, dude. I felt kind of I felt kind of useless at times watching this because Kevin would full out admit that like, oh, I'm not a filmmaker and I don't know how to shoot anything and I don't know how to write a movie. And I'm like, God, why am I even doing this podcast? (laughs) Like, like, he's. He's just saying it. He's really just saying it. He's just saying it. (laughs) Oh my God, he said it. He's going to release a new one talking about like a big confession about how he's been a cuck this whole time. Yeah, yeah. It's like like when uh, that Twitter person was like, I worked on this this story for years and he just (laughs) tweeted it out. Yeah, he just tweeted it out. 
Yeah, that that'll be his his rebrand for like online clout. That he'll be he'll be like a proud cuck, and he'll be representing oh. the cuck community. His uh, his like serious uh, Netflix content or something. Oh God, yeah, because mm-hmm. they asked him. They asked him, like, if he'd ever make a superhero movie, and he explains why he doesn't think he'd be into doing a real superhero movie. And it basically comes down to because he's too fucking lazy and impatient to make exactly. a real movie. <laughs> he makes that so clear, but then he keeps talking, goes on and on. And the more he goes on, the more he just says outright, like, yeah, so basically I'm just too fucking lazy. I'd rather sit around and watch TV, rather get high and watch Dora the Explorer with my kid, you know? And it's just like, we understand that you're a lazy piece of shit and have no patience for filmmaking and aren't good at it. Like, you made that clear. Mm -hmm. But he, like, it's like, in case you missed the point of that story, it's because I'm a lazy piece of shit and I suck at filmmaking. That's why I don't want to do it. Yeah. But some of the most fascinating Kevin Laurie will find is just looking at how many... Uh, unreleased projects he has and how many scripts he's written for studios that have never been used. (laughs) And it seems, I mean, he says it himself. It seems very clear that he just, he likes getting hired for projects because he likes the ego boost. Um, But he doesn't know how to write very well and he doesn't try very hard. So he'll get hired on stuff like Green Hornet because his name has enough brand recognition that it's probably worth it to a studio to throw a few bucks to Kevin Smith to like write some shitty script that they can use or not. Doesn't matter too much. So he keeps getting hired for these like pretty not big, but like recognizable IPs at least. Mm -hmm. And then his scripts either don't show up on time and they don't get used or they show up and they're fucking piece of shit and they get completely torn apart and rewritten by, uh, you know, some studio hack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a point where he talks about how like he doesn't really see himself as a filmmaker and he doesn't really know how to make good visuals. And he's really more of a writer who also Mm -hmm. just directs, but also earlier in the thing, Thing, he mm-hmm. talked about how he's no good at writing and doesn't like writing and how his writing process is bullshit <laughs> yeah and how he like how he yeah. just crammed six million dollar man because he had no clue how to write like a biological character yeah. the other thing and i just realized this just a second ago is that like this kind of also adds to his whole cuck complex because like tons of comedians have talked about like how they have like just have done so many projects over the years that never see the light of day but the difference between them and kevin is that kevin goes through every single one of them on his in his q a's and his podcasts and everything to show the world what he's planning to do and show them that he failed that is mm-hmm. him in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I find it really weird. Um, every time he does this, I find it weird. But his self-deprecating routine, I don't find it funny. I don't think it comes off humble at all. I just yeah. find it uncomfortable. And yeah, it has this. I don't. I don't know how to put it. It, it has this weird uh, exhibitionist aspect to it, where uh, he's just getting up in front of people, being like, "Oh, look at me! I'm a stupid fat asshole, and I can't b- complete anything." Blah blah blah. And I, I, I'm sorry, like, dude, you have, um, like, Kevin is living like my dream. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to be in fucking Hollywood making movies, and he's just up there, like, trying to make you feel bad for him because he doesn't. Try 
try and he's not very good and he got super fucking lucky unlike you know 99% of artists out there like when I was watching this I was like man this guy isn't even an artist like he's not a filmmaker he's just some he's some fucking stooge that uh that got lucky enough to be uh fit into a like a branding model for harvey weinstein and thrown around hollywood long enough that he was able to collect a few checks uh at the end of the day like this guy's not uh he's not a filmmaker at heart like i think even now when he's making movies it's just all it's all part of the brand the kevin smith brand and the the parasocial fan relationship uh, none of it is about um, making art. He's just this random dirtbag who got plucked from obscurity by Bob Hawk. <laughs> My <laughs> fucking Bob mortal Hawk, enemy, right. yeah. Bob Hawk. Forgot about him. <laughs> that is fucking clerk's... No, he's dead. Uh, <laughs> you can th- make that's... as many threats as you want then, yeah? Uh, there's, no, why, there's no one to threaten. That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. So, you, you know, we won't get in trouble for it. Not there's no reason for me to threaten him. He's dead. Uh, but <laughs> right, when he fine. was alive, I think it was possible that he was sort of a uh, a timid would be sex pest. I'm not accusing him of having done <laughs> anything wrong, but it seems like he's maybe the type of guy who is maybe a little too scared to go for it. Because <laughs> he has this clerk's he has this clerk screening that like nobody shows up to except for this guy Bob Hawk. You know, it's this movie that the, he's heard nothing about. There's no, the only thing he knows about this movie is like, oh, this seems to involve some uh, young men. Maybe I can go meet them. <laughs> that one broke me trev that one broke me oh my god if 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 it weren't for bob hawk's particular inclinations which are totally speculative on my part uh this is all alleged not alleged i'm not alleging it i'm speculating about it um then his movie never would have been brought to the attention of a real sex of actual confirmed convicted sex criminal who then turned him into a famous filmmaker yeah and harvey gets brought up uh, a decent amount in this and it's an interesting snapshot of uh yeah his absolute adoration for harvey how much he fucking loves him and also obviously in retrospect how much kevin is being played like Mm -hmm. how little kevin actually matters to harvey the way that he talks about their conversations he obviously thinks it's very funny but uh from an outsider perspective kevin just sounds like i'm i'm he he just sounds like he just sounds like a patsy like you can just kind of tell that harvey is just you know harvey will let him use his helicopter one day because harvey's rich as fuck and he doesn't care like it's Mm -hmm. worth it uh for the brand or whatever and as soon as kevin's not profitable well he's out and uh, kevin obviously doesn't think that's gonna happen because he 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 (laughs) talks about how it would never happen how harvey would never drop him and and obviously uh you know it it did Mm -hmm. uh so this uh this special i don't know what the when the next one takes place but this one definitely felt like it was kevin before um, the crash had hit him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think especially if you remember Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, that movie also had a similarly like weird, uncomfortable tone to it with, with Kevin and Jay. And I feel that in this one too, that it feels like Kevin right before it all breaks and he, you know, he realizes that, you know, it's not going any 
further for him. Next one is 2008. I just looked. Oh, wow. Would that be before or after Zack and Mary? Because that was the real nail in the coffin. It's the same year as Zack and Mary, so I, I, I'm not yeah. sure. Oh, my gosh. Probably, be, probably before, because I think Clerks 2 came out in 2006, but mm-hmm. this seems to be before mm-hmm. he made Clerks 2. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it yeah. would have been yeah. ridiculous for him to just repeat <laughs> that Randall monologue from his movie he already made. <laughs> You get up on stage and you just like read the script to your own fucking movie. And if you like this, go see Clerks on November fifteenth. Yeah, like it's like like a comedian doing their like famous material for a crowd that already knows it, except it's just lines from his movie. Do the airplane bit. Uh, for full transparency, uh, for the folks at home, there was one part I skipped because I just couldn't handle it. Where uh, Kevin talks to, um, I don't know if this is the term, but this is how he describes himself. He describes himself as a midget. And, um, uh, sorry, the I don't term, know if that's proper. The term is little person, but he does call okay. himself a midget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He yeah, calls himself uh, but, specifically a disabled midget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems to have muscular dystrophy or something. He uses he uses a cane. Yeah. And anyways, he gets up uh, front and 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 he calls himself that. And Kevin is like, oh, I I didn't notice. And as soon as I realized that Kevin was going to start talking to this guy about his disability, I said, nope. And I I completely skipped over it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask how that went down between those two. They didn't really talk about Mm it. I mean, he... He brought it. He brought it up basically just to talk about um, the fact that he's writing a script and that he doesn't see a lot of positive uh, representations of disabled people and little people in movies. And Kevin doesn't really uh, say much about it. He's uh, the 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 weird part of that. I thought was right at the beginning before when he the guy was waiting to ask his question. Kevin says something like, "Oh, you're about to make me feel guilty or something." Like I don't, oh, I don't I know, something that. weird like that, implying that like uh, I, I don't know, I I don't know what he was getting at. Yeah, uh, Kevin also just will like straight up insult uh, people asking questions for him being ugly or imply that they'll never have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being. Very, very mean. That's just his self-loathing, like, externalized, like, (laughs) things he thinks about himself, and he sees these fucking uh, chubby dorks, and they all remind him of him, and Mm -hmm. he has all this self-hatred that he spews at them. There is a very dark section where someone asks him what's the worst thing he's ever done. I won't go into the whole thing. It's like him... Uh, he he he's basically a Trump figure in his school. He got elected student president uh, over oh, the more qualified okay. <laughs> uh, candidate. Um, but the the more shocking part is the part that I think that he that he thought was less bad or something. I don't know because it, it seemed like a smaller part of the story. But I thought the most horrifying part of this whole thing was that he talks about uh, God. I hope this wasn't real. How um, he didn't want he didn't want to take his girlfriend to the prom. He wouldn't take mm-hmm. her to it because he he didn't yeah, he didn't want to go fuck? to prom yeah. or something. He was gonna he wanted to shut it down as pres like school president, which I thought was a joke. But then the way he talks about it, I was like, wait, did you really not go to the prom with this girl or whatever? And then she went anyways. It sounds like and. Uh, if it was funnier, I might have thought it was a joke or something, but it was so unfunny and so dark that I was like, is this something that he actually did? Because 
that's fucked up. And also, why like, why make this your anecdote? Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm yeah. supposed to get from this. Exactly. It's so confusing. I think it was real. Like that was a real story from his adolescence. I think it sounded ridiculous. Stuff but he chooses to talk about it just confuses me. Like, mm-hmm. why are you even talking about mm-hmm. this? <laughs> He definitely used up all of his good anecdotes in the first one. Yeah. Uh, the second one, he's he's running on fumes. He just loves to talk. And and the other thing about yeah. that is that like afterwards, he's just he tries to make a joke, being like, "Yeah, the the relationship it it, it kind of rifted after that. It kind of <laughs> broke apart." And it's like, "Yeah, because you're, oh, so you're a fucking dick. You're a fucking dick, Kevin." Yeah. And then he explains how like uh, some guy like slept with her afterwards and then he slept with his girlfriend his ex-girlfriend or something mm-hmm. and he says you take my pussy i'll take your pussy he says that a bunch of times and it's really Ugh. gross yeah the way t- uh, i can't get into it again but he just talks about women as objects like throughout this entire thing in a way that is just it's so it's so fucking gross mm-hmm. and throughout that entire story i kept waiting for the point where it was going to turn out that this was all something that he made up but it never came, so I'm like, wow, dude, uh, you're a real piece of shit, huh? Oh, <laughs> yep. and another thing of treating women like objects is that in, uh, I just remember this, in the in the London show, he mentions how, like, for whatever reason, he was so dead set on having his, his having Harley born in, in Red Bank, New yeah. Jersey, that he made them fly from los angeles when her water broke yeah while she was in labor yeah he borrowed harvey's uh private, private jet, jet. Mosier called and was like uh kevin wants harley to be born in um new jersey and harvey was like uh-huh and they're like can we, can we use your jet to fight her and they're like fine and and it's like what he the never fuck? explains why he doesn't want her born in Los Angeles. Exactly. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand yeah. what the issue is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so pregnant women aren't allowed to fly on commercial flights uh, because they could go into labor and they might have to do an emergency landing. Yeah. And his wife is already in labor, and he's so dead. Ne- he never even. Uh, uh, mentions what her feelings about all this were exactly he's just like exactly yeah, he's just so dead set on having her born in new jersey he's like no fucking way is my daughter gonna be born in los angeles he's like why yeah why not what's the, what's the big de- he said i in the he said like people were telling us just go to the hospital and i was like no we're not going to the hospital. <laughs> we have to get on a plane and fly to New Jersey. Like, why? God, he's he such a He doesn't explain why. The only part I had uh, left was, because um, I just had to mention it, the, the most disgusting part of, of this entire special to me, when Kevin gets an audience member to go on a rant about uh, eating pussy. Oh, about the and, Yeah. Well, it was it was Muse, right? Oh, it was Muse. Yeah, it was Muse that told him to. Because Kevin talk leaves about him alone. Kevin, yeah, Kevin just like leaves him on stage, and then. Oh, okay, like, yeah. Oh, somebody talk about the clit, and it goes on a whole stream of consciousness thing about clits and pussy. 
It's so weird. Yeah, it it's sounds so like weird. he's almost speaking in tongues or something. If you ever heard uh, those <laughs> preachers speaking in tongues, yes. it's got that kind of energy where he's just like going completely wild and talking about eating pussy and yeah, the most so disgusting, absurd uh, way. I just sat there in complete disgust for, and for everyone in that in, room. Awful. All this in a British accent. Mm-hmm. And Kevin was Awful. like impressed Horrible. with it. He like thought it was really like that guy's little pussy rant was really cool. He yeah, he's like you should be writing the you should be writing the movies, man. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, I thought <laughs> I guess I, I I thought I was a good writer. Look what that guy did." <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you talking about you it's freak like, and they're like no you're right it is really easy to come up with the kind of garbage you do just off the top of your head it's bullshit <laughs> yeah so all in all I found this to be an absolutely miserable experience uh, one of the worst things that we've watched for sure yeah. all, all really my horrible. thumbs down of all the times we've had to sit through Kevin talking this was I think the worst one like they just get worse and worse <laughs> Yeah. I said this before recording I, I won't lie I said before recording I was like and this was better than the first but you you guys are right you you guys have shown me the light this is the worst this is by far the he's worst he's just this is. so fucking grating to listen to he's so he's just has nothing to offer as as a person yeah and it's a vile vile experience how mean spirited and nasty he gets he's a nasty nasty man <laughs> <laughs> the thing in the the first thing he talks about in the in the the one in London is he's uh holding this grudge against some uh female uh, uh columnist for some newspaper oh, because right. they said yeah. something bad about him the last time he was there and he calls them cunts and he says uh and not only is he calling them cunts because he's talking to a british audience he clarifies that he's not using cunt in the casual british way but in the mean american way because that's how much he hates these women who said these awful yeah, and then he cold. reads out their mean column about it and about him and is like picking it all apart and calling their them into question on every point it's like Dude, why don't you just let that go? Like, people are going to not yeah. like you sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just don't. Like, you're in a big room full of people who do like you. <laughs> and all you can think about is one person, or I guess three people, who who, who don't like you. Yeah. And you have to say these awful uh, sexist things about them. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and then he, yeah, he, he calls podcast. them ugly, too. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, and he, he basically calls them whores. He says that for the price of one euro, you can bust in their mouth. And that, that's something that somebody Ugh. told him. <laughs> A quote unquote insider. Even he, it, this is before Twitter, but he's already he's already got the Twitter mindset, or like he's in, uh, he's surrounded by all these people that absolutely adore him and will support anything that he says. And then he's just like picking apart like these few instances where someone has dared to criticize him, bringing it to all of his fans so they can all laugh at it. It's very it's very like live yeah. Twitter, in my opinion. He has this very mid-2000s online forum culture attitude, especially with the casual mm -hmm. way he, like, talks badly about women. He says the yeah. word whore a lot, not just talking about women, but talking about himself. Like, oh, I'm an attention whore. I'm a media whore. I'm a this or that whore, mm -hmm. which was, like, a big thing 
like online, <laughs> like, and uh, about he that one uh, the gossip columnist that spread the rumor about him and Ben Affleck. He calls a whore. He says like this gossip whore. Sorry, I mean columnist. You know, <laughs> and that's like, what he said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this very, Jeez. very, like, casually, like, misogynist, like, aggressive attitude that I think was very common at that time uh, on the internet. What a disgusting man. Because he was, he was steeped in that culture, and also, as, like, a, a public figure, he would see people online talking shit about him all the time, and he would respond to it directly and get very angry. And he really brings that resentment with him in these in-person things. He's surrounded by these adoring fans. And all he can think about is these people that have said bad people who are mean to him on the internet, people who wrote bad stuff about him. Like, you know, like you can't, it, it, really just a hateful, yeah. sad little man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So to, uh, I guess, further illustrate how, Disgusting this man is. I believe Valerie uh, has brought some very special Kevin's receipts for us mm -hmm. today. Well, uh, uh, looking back from my previous Kevin receipts, I knew I had to bring something big because oh, uh, let, let me go through my <laughs> let me go through my past ones just to like refresh the audience. So the first one I sent was the one with the uh, Weight Watchers ad that he did oh, with right. Jason Mewes. Yeah. Oh, I, that's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Christ. The the second one after the book, I did the um one of I think it was the critic Andrew Saris, and if I'm wrong, uh, someone at home, folk at home, please correct me. I think it was Andrew Saris who called Kevin in the year 2000 <laughs> the, the next Corsese. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And then I don't remember what the th the last one was, but I think. I don't remember, but it was something. But this one, uh, I had two things. First, I decided to look a little bit into... I I didn't find much, but I, I looked a little bit into the uh, John Lovitz, Kevin Smith beef. Oh, mm. boy. Because mm -hmm. I don't know if you, any of you know this, but uh, John Lovitz used to have uh, a comedy club slash podcast theater in uh, Studio City, California in the Universal St City Walk at Universal Studios. Yeah. Mm. Jesus. And, I, I am familiar with this beef, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, there, um, the big show for the Lovitz Comedy Club and Podcast Theater was uh, uh, were, were the Smodcast shows. So like Smodco and Jane Simon Bob Gild and mostly Hollywood Babylon with uh, Kevin and Ralph Garman. And, mm. um, <laughs> uh, and so... But after time, after like a couple of years, the the theater was starting to fail because like it, w it was like a hard club to go to because you had to like pay like a lot of like universal money to get in and stuff, and 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 they were like the biggest show. But here's the thing, they required ninety percent of the ticket sales, uh, and let love its the the theater get ten percent. Jesus. And, and then, then like the fear started to struggle, and um, then they just stopped paying them for a couple months, which is fucked up. 
but then they were like, oh you know God. what? You're going to pay us again, and this time, you're going to pay us 100%. <laughs> while the, while the fear was failing, they were like, you know what? You're going you're gonna to pay us everything. We're going to be paid everything for this. And they're like, no, let's do half. Let's do half. This is a failing theater. And they're like, fuck you. And they went to the Hollywood Improv instead. And I feel like both of them are dickheads in this story because Lovitz is a dick, but also they're dicks in a way. Yeah. Because it's not even like the UCB where the UCB was literally never paying anybody ever for years yeah. for it's a whole run this is like they were making almost everything and that wasn't enough for them wow I, I wonder if the was this beef before or after um they were uh together in oh my gosh i forgot southland tales uh was this before or after, uh, after. Uh, they're on oh, screen uh, uh this was early yeah. 2010s so after Oh, okay. After, yeah. yeah. And Christ. Mm-hmm. And I have a um so a while back I saw a clip from uh Kev- of Kevin Smith on Kevin Pollock's chat show. And so I decided to get a few clips from that to show you if that would be okay. Sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. Being on something you didn't write is always weird for me because I always thought of the job as like, there's only one way to do this job, and that's the way I did it and got successful doing it. And but blah, blah, blah. it turns out you were right. For you, there is only one way. Kinda. Yeah. And like, I can, I can be, it's weird. It's like, you just don't use the same muscles. Like when I'm directing the Goldbergs, I don't go in there and be like, hey, Wendy, here's how you play this. This is what you're feeling. Like she knows exactly how to do that character. Sure. You don't change the look of the show. They shoot wide, cowboy, and close. That's it and stuff. So it's not like, let's bring a so sweeping camera in here and shit. So at the end of the day, and, and also, I don't even go in between takes and be like, say this, say this, which is what I normally do in my world. There's a brilliant guy named Lou Schneider who sits there on every episode, and that's his job. I to love go over. So, so is he so, just explaining he does literally yeah. nothing? <laughs> he, sh- he, sho- he shows up and sits in a chair and collects a paycheck, and that's what directing for TV is mm-hmm. for him. For him. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Oh my god. <laughs> and I'm saying the second part now, but yeah, that's how he views directing. He just thinks that Yeah, I don't uh I don't talk to the actors and I don't worry about uh the shot setups and uh, I don't really do anything actually. So, you know. <laughs> what I do I'm have is I some <laughs> They put my name in the credits and you know, that's cool. It's Goldberg's part two. Really no point for me to be here, but in that world that's not what they want from a TV director. He said it. What they want is, I don't know what they want, but what I can do right. is I'm just happy to be there. Yeah. I'm usually very enthusiastic <laughs> and energetic. I'm like, oh my God, we're gonna fucking do it. And I applaud after everything and make everybody applaud and shit. And I bring the energy up. And because of that, I guess the actors and the crew like me and that's why I get asked back. But the fundamental you know, aspects of my job as I would like identify them, basically. I don't do in that world at all. Maybe every once in a while I can problem solve fuck? or something like that. They're like, oh, if we move the camera He's th- he's there to be like the hype man for a sitcom. He's basically like <laughs> pra- basically like the the crowd warm up guy, except for some reason they call him the director. Yeah, or like you know a, a birthday clown. <laughs> you, you know, he's just someone to have around to um to cheer up the the rest of. Uh, you know the the people on set. Yeah, he's like the guy who goes to um, football games and uh, shoots uh, the t-shirts into the crowd. 
Like, that's kind of his role on set, I think. Well, we shouldn't uh, mention birthday clowns on this podcast because it just oh, brings God. up unpleasant memories for me now. True, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of trauma in the VSQ universe connected to the birthday party clowns. I mean, that, that sounds like, I mean, Kevin is, of course, uh, he is uh, particularly lazy, as we've seen throughout his career. But also, I'm not surprised that that is how it goes on, um, like, a modern TV show, at least the ones that he would be invited on to. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's going on to those shows, like, um, what was it, like, The Flash or something that he was? Yeah, Supergirl and the was, Flash. He was, like, guest directing on or something. A show like that, I do kind of expect that the showrunners are just going to handle everything. And more than anything, the reason that you get Kevin Smith to show up is just so that you can slap Kevin Smith's name on uh, a few episodes. You're like, hey, uh, these were directed by him. (laughs) So he's not even like... He's not even being hired as a person by this point. He's just being like hired to come on set to technically be there so that they can put the uh, Kevin Smith branding onto well, yeah. it. I mean, I think uh, typically these shows have kind of a stable of directors, like the same regular directors that mm. rotate. And those would be the people that kind of would determine like the the look of the show along with the showrunners, you know. Obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. But um. Yeah, bringing in Kevin is just about maybe lending a little bit of like, oh, look, we got a special name on this one. Maybe that'll bring in some viewers. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the DC shows specifically, I think it might be more like throwing Kevin a a bone because he's always fucking hanging around (laughs) trying to do DC stuff. It'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. We can let him quote unquote direct a Supergirl episode if that'll get him off our back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it, it's like handing uh, your baby cousin a controller that's not plugged in and mm-hmm. letting him pretend that he's playing video games. Or, or in the uh, in the uh, newer uh, Mario games, like in Mario Galaxy, they have a second player mode where you're basically just a cursor, and yeah. you can collect the little star bits <laughs> with the cursor while the other guys. Have, it's yeah, it's just like a a mode for like a baby to pretend they're playing. <laughs> um uh i had other clips but honestly i'll save those for another time we've got yeah we've got <laughs> more evenings with kevin smith but i think we're gonna have to i, I i'm gonna need a, a while before i can dive yeah. into another one of these that was that <laughs> was rough mm-hmm. um i i yeah dark journey um last week on last week's episode i forgot to uh do the patron shout outs uh so um let me get those out of the way real quick uh we have three new patrons to shout out we have our good friend sean thanks so much sean good to have you aboard we have um uh shoddy uh, and then we have someone who I don't know named Matthew and Matt and it looks like Matthew is pledging in British pounds. So, uh, I'm not oh sure Ma- Ma- we might have our first international, uh, Patreon subscriber. And I just want to say, well, I should say, um, our first transatlantic Patreon subscriber, uh, and I just want to say, Matthew, if you are British, I apologize for all the awful racist things that uh, Ted 
uh, said about your kind uh, Matthew, earlier. if you are British, uh, get fucked. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do not get fucked. We re- very much appreciate your patronage. Thank you so much for not subscribing. Me. Ted's view- views do not represent those of the We Need to Talk About Kevin uh, organization. Uh, thank you so much for your uh, pound, your British pound sterling. We appreciate them, and thank you for listening. Uh, and everybody, uh, please subscribe to the Patreon. Our first Dark Knight episode is available now. By the time Hell this yeah. episode is out, our Dark the Dark Knight Part Two should be up ve- uh, up very soon. So you will get. That, so you'll get both parts of our Batman Begins and Dark Knight episodes uh, of our special Batman miniseries, Batman Be Gone. We also had a bonus episode about RoboCop that was a lot of fun. We'll have more bonus content coming very soon, I'm sure. So please sign up at patreon.com slash we need to talk about Kevin for all of our great Kevin-free, blissfully Kevin-free premium content uh and hey if you can't afford to sign up for the patreon that's fine just go over to uh itunes and give us a five star rating on there just you we want to get a five from you either way either give us your five dollars or give us five stars one one or the other um you you decide yeah give them five we we just want fives we need fives give us all your fives Five stars or five dollars, you choose. If you give us the five dollars, you get the bonus content. If you give us five stars, you get the uh, satisfaction of knowing that you're uh, yeah. doing a good deed. Make it feel and good. do not give us any rating other than five stars. There's no reason to do that. But if you that's just rude. don't mm-hmm. think that this is a five star show, you could simply stop listening, take your headphones off, and go do something and throw you your like phone instead. into the garbage. No, no, no. I, no! Don't even throw your phone in the garbage. Keep your phone and do something you like on your phone, and rate that five stars. Just bring some positivity yeah. into the. Find someone you like on Patreon and give them five dollars. I don't care. But don't just give us. Give us five stars or five dollars if you like us. If you don't like us, just stop listening. <laughs> don't we don't need your negativity. Don't need to give us negative reviews. Alright? That's that's not helping anybody. It's certainly not helping you. Just do something you like. Alright? If you're a fan of Kevin Smith and you're mad at us for talking shit about Kevin Smith, don't fucking listen to this. It's not for you. He has Kevin Smith and his friends have a hundred podcasts you can listen to instead of this. Go get thousands of hours of their bullshit. Listen to that shit. All right. Um, Sorry, got a little got a little heated there. But but do not give um, people on the street uh, high fives because COVID is still a thing, and you should be masked up and staying inside as much as you can. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I already had it. It wasn't that bad. You'll be fine. Uh, No, just kidding. (laughs) Ted had it, uh, but you don't want to be like him. Um, Yeah, you're not as strong as me. Ted has become horribly xenophobic against the Chinese now ever since he caught COVID. I, well, that was due to a breakup. That, that's a different thing. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, uh, thanks for listening. Please subscribe. Patreon.com slash when you talk about Kevin. Valerie, thank you so much for coming back on the show. We love thank you. Thank you again for having me again. Do you have any Always uh, good to have you on. plugs or final messages before we go? Plugs or final messages? Um, no, uh, I'm 
Uh, I locked up my account, but you know what, Kevin? We need to talk about Kevin Heads. If you say that the podcast brought you here, I'll let you in. I'll let you in. Oh, Ooh. wow. Special special deal mm-hmm. uh, just for our listeners. You special can follow Valerie mm-hmm. on Twitter. But uh, other than that... Um, Let's see. Uh, my letterbox, as I've said before, Steam Valerie, I'm going Z mode right now. I'm going through the films of Robert Zemeckis, and that's pretty fun. Uh, nice. You can read those reviews on Letterbox of mine. Um, my friends, uh, Eddie, Malcolm, and JT, they do the show called Extend Clip. It's like a double feature every week show. It's it's really fun. Um, and I, my friend Nathan, he does the show called Hot Box of Cinema, which is as it sounds. <laughs> Cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> Check out those shows, rate them five stars on iTunes, give them a nice review, and then give us five dollars <laughs> on Patreon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Alright, uh good night everybody. I can be an asshole of the grandest kind. I can move hold like it's going out of style. I can be Baby, and you've never met anyone who's as negative as I.